Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm, and um, let's just run through the plan for the rest of the week real quick. So, today is Wednesday, and today we're going to be talking about the Buffs offense. Um, Specifically, we're going to talk about what is on the line in this spring camp in terms of the Buffs offense. Um, I'm pretty excited. Spring ball starts next Monday. Um... And so we're jumping in with that stuff today. Tomorrow, I'll be hearing from Shannon Turley, the new strength coach, or I think football performance coach is what they call him. Um, I'll be hearing from Brett Maxey, the safeties coach and defensive passing game coordinator. Um, I'll be hearing from Chris Wilson, the defensive coordinator and defensive line coach. Mark Smith, the new inside linebackers coach. And Brian Cook the new tight ends coach who got a nice promotion. Um, Just because most of those guys are on the defensive side of the ball, all of them except for Shannon Turley, who's the strength coach, Brian Cook, the tight ends coach, um, because the rest of them are on the defensive side of the ball, figured we'd save defense until after we hear from them. Um, So plan is today, offense. Tomorrow we'll be talking about what all these guys had to say. Maybe we'll combine that with like the defense conversation, but I think that there's going to be so much to talk about from tomorrow alone that we'll kind of run through that stuff and then talk about the defense in full on Friday when we have a full show to do that. So there you go. Um, that's what's on the way. And before we jump in with this offense, and it's going to start with uh, talking about these quarterbacks, I want to tell you just a little bit more about the Colorado XOs. Oh, the 2-1 Colorado XOs. Really impressive that they have a winning record at this point, considering most of these guys have played three rugby games in their life, and they're those three rugby games. What the Colorado XOs are doing, that's the professional rugby team here in Colorado. They're taking athletes from other sports like soccer, basketball, football, cross-country, track. Um, I wonder if there's any hockey players, just because that's such a unique skill set. I guess no golfers made the cut onto the rugby team. Who else? You wouldn't take like jockeys from horse racing just because they're they're so small and no offense to any jockeys out there. What other sports are there? Um, cricket, obviously that's not in America. Baseball, don't think that translates. There's some big dudes out there though. Like if you got if you got like the right first baseman, some of those closers, maybe they could make some noise. I'm not sure. Point is, they're taking a bunch of athletes from a bunch of different sports, teaching them how to play rugby with the idea of getting them onto the US national team, which trains at the same facility in Glendale, Colorado. It's an awesome concept, cool things going on, and it's rugby season right now. So check out uh, the DMVR rugby podcast, the DMVR rugby Twitter account, and look for Colton Strickler's written content at thedmvr.com. All right. So, uh, let's just dig in, um, and we're going to go position by position through this, um, where to start? I'm trying to decide because like offensive line, I don't think that conversation is all that long just because there's really only one open spot. Um, let's just start at the top though. I mean, the quarterbacks are what everybody's thinking about and here's what's up with the quarterbacks. So as it stands now, it looks like there are three quarterbacks in a competition for the starting job um you've got sam neuer who was the starter last year he's the incumbent and that's going to work well for him i believe he was what second team all pack 12 as a quarterback last year did a lot of really good things the the lack of reps at points showed um it was it was kind of like chaos out there if i'm being honest in a way it kind of reminds me of like the tim tebow years 
in Denver. And I don't know. I, I think I think Sam deserves a little bit more credit than that just because the team was better comparatively than what the Broncos were versus their competition. Um, but some of the same things kind of hold true. With Sam, he's obviously a great athlete, played safety. As it's, it's crazy to talk about all these storylines again. We haven't talked about Sam Neuer playing safety in what feels like months. Um, but yeah, uh, played safety in 2019, comes back to the offensive side of the ball in 2020, wins the starting quarterback job after Carl Drell convinces him to stick around uh, and that he's going to have a chance to play. And again, second team all Pac-12. Now, a lot of his value does come in the running game. Things occasionally got sloppy in the passing game especially when he was having those shoulder issues, though. And I do think that having all that happen makes it easier to, to push to the sides some of the the mistakes that he made. Um, on top of that, there's just like the general rawness when he is running the ball even. Um, you know, how many times did he just jump in the air and karate kick a guy in the chest? It was over and over, and it got to the point where the quarterback's coach actually had to tell reporters, dude's got to stop doing that. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's reason to believe that Sam Neuer is going to be better this year. I, I think it'd be crazy to not expect him to be better this year than he was last year now that he has all that experience under his belt and now that the coaches really know what his strengths and weaknesses are. You know, when you have a guy in practice for a few years, you pick up on that kind of stuff. But playing in games is totally different. And the the quarterback coach has been a, a position that has turned over a lot for the Buffs in the last few years. Offensive coordinator as well. Um, and, and because of that, and obviously the changes at head coach, I just assumed I didn't need to mention those, um, maybe there wasn't the biggest book on Sam in terms of what even the coaches know. And again, what really matters is what happens on Saturdays. And it's tough to believe that any of the coaches that Sam Neuer had saw him karate kicking defenders in practice because it's just not something that happens in that situation. And I don't know. Well, I've been kind of joking about that. Like, there's pros and cons to it. Like, it was effective for him. He did pick up more yards. And the physicality running the football is one of those things that in practice, you know, how many live sessions do they really have? And in those live sessions, are you pulling out things like that or are you not touching the quarterback because that's how college football practices work? Um, so, yeah, I, I do think that it was a great learning experience for Sam, obviously. I think the coaches probably learned a lot about Sam. And I think that Sam is going to be better in 2021 than he was in 2020. He, he's going to be sharper. You know, there were some missed throws that I think you work on. Now, though, is time to talk about the concern for Sam Neuer. And the concern is that, like I mentioned, the balls were not going where they needed to after he took that shoulder injury. And in, I think that was the Utah game where it really flared up. It might have even, he might have played through it for a couple games before that. Um, this is one of the things I'm going to have to go back in my notes and check just because it's been so long. Um, but yeah, because of that shoulder injury, he he had shoulder surgery right after the season ended. And last we heard, he wasn't, or the coaches weren't sure how much throwing he was going to be able to do during camp. That is big. Um, obviously, the quarterback competition kind of starts when fall camp starts on Monday. And it's going to, or sorry, spring camp starts on Sunday. Uh, Monday. Wow. Um, but then it's going to continue all the way through fall camp and ideally with like a week or two left in camp, you pick a guy and then start whittling the playbook down from there to make sure that it fits whoever you chose. So because Sam maybe isn't going to be able to throw all the ball all that much. And at the very least, you'd think he'd be held out of some of the sessions just because of the injury and the recovery from the shoulder. And again, we'll, we'll get a full update on Sam probably tomorrow. Um, that's a good question for uh, the new strength coach. You know, how's Sam progressing? What have you seen from Sam? You know, that kind of stuff. And so we'll have a little bit of an update into what to exactly expect. But with him potentially sidelined during the, the team drills, the door is open. The door is open for Brendan Lewis and for JT Shrout. Those are the two who I really think are going to be in this competition. You know, there's other guys, Grant Sicaroni. You know, walk-ons have, have provided sparks before, so I'm not, not going to say it, it can't happen. But um, I do think that Brendan Lewis 
and JT Shroud, they have a real opportunity because of this. Um, let's jump in with Brendan. So, what do we know about Brendan Lewis? Honestly, not all that much. He was a true freshman last year from Texas, um, a, a well-regarded recruit, um, dual-threat quarterback, uh, big guy, big arm, and has you know the the type of talent that you could see getting him to the next level. Um, because of the rules that were changed last year, he's going to be a true freshman again this year. Now, because of that, I think that there are some people who want to make a decision on the what they want the quarterback situation to be right now without letting everything play out. Now, obviously, that's irresponsible and... I, you know, we don't know what these guys are. They've just had a, a month and a half off, two months, more than that. I, it has been a full two months, over two months since they've last been on the field. Honestly, almost three months, which is pretty crazy. A lot can change, you know, for especially for somebody like uh, Brendan Lewis, who is a young guy, true freshman, 18, 19 years old. Is he faster? Is he stronger? Has he been working on the accuracy? You know, there's a lot of questions that you can have, and that's why you go to campus to see who has taken a step. Um, and there's a real chance that it is Brendan. You know, we saw some good things from him in the um, in the bowl game. He, he got to play just a little bit because it was a blowout, and I think that that was good for him. Um, in that game, he certainly looked better than Sam Neuer. If you had played him in place of Sam Neuer this season, eh, I'm not so sure. Um Back back to my point, though. You know, a lot of people want to say, like, I hope it's Sam Neuer. I hope it's Brendan Lewis. And it's easy to say, you know, Brendan Lewis, you can just redshirt him this year and then you get four more years. Well, in theory, you get four more years. If things pan out and he is a quarterback who you want to keep around for four years, there's a decent chance that he's actually somebody who leaves in two years because he can go to the NFL. So just keep that in mind, you know. You're not guaranteed to have these guys for the length. And and who knows? I, I don't think Brendan has this type of attitude. Um, but if he doesn't win the quarterback competition, he wouldn't be the first player to transfer, first quarterback to transfer out of a program because they weren't going to get to play. Now, obviously, he's in a different situation because he's behind a fifth-year senior, I mean, really a sixth-year senior. Um, and so the, the door will be wide open. But... You know, if JT Shrout looks good too and he thinks that's a competition, then who knows? Um, Brendan's a big question mark at this point. And, and that is just what we know. You know, he wasn't, um, he wasn't a Jaden Daniels level prospect coming out of high school. You know, he, he wasn't like the type of athlete where you're just like, wow, that, that's going to get him to the next level. But to be honest, he isn't all that far off. I can't remember if he was a three-star, four-star quarterback. I'm pretty sure he was three-star, but right at the top end. Either way, he was pretty close to that line. Um, and I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I think that that means that he can be a very good quarterback going forward. Um, this is the big one, though. JT Shrout, pretty big arm coming from Tennessee. Um, somebody we haven't seen all that much of. Um, pull up these stats real quick. But I do think that he is very much in this. Um, he's another guy, uh, redshirt sophomore, I believe, this season. Um, and he'll be eligible to play. Everybody who transfers is el eligible to play this year. Um, oh, yeah. Stats real quick. For his career, I think he's like a 50% passer. Somebody needs to speed up this UT Sports website. So, uh this year, or, or sorry, last year, uh, he played in four games. Um, he was 12 of 14 with a touchdown, no interceptions against Florida. Uh, good for 121 yards. Yeah, solid performance. Um, he was also 6 of 13 at Vanderbilt, 6 of 14 against Texas A&M, threw a pick in each of those. You know, not a big sample size. Overall, he's 24 of 42, four touchdowns, three picks. You know, it's, it's, uh, he's somebody who can't compete. You know, I think that he does have a real chance of being a, the type of quarterback who a coach could fall in love with because 
you know, what, what Colorado has right now is like a whole lot of chaos, but it's, it's, it's generally like positive chaos. Like obviously like Sam Neuer, it can be kind of a trip watching him get through a football game. Although it mostly did go very, very well. And that part of it should not be forgotten at all. The truth is, you know, it, it can be a bit of an adventure. The other option, Brendan Lewis, technically a true freshman quarterback, a dual threat quarterback, potential for that to absolutely be an adventure. JT Shrout, I think, could provide a bit of a steady hand. You know, he, he's obviously been a, a power five, an SEC backup quarterback before. He's gotten into games and kind of steadied the ship in a way. Like I said, decently big arm. Um, we'll see. I, I think that just him providing a bit of a steady hand puts the buffs in just a tiny bit better situation. I, I think it makes it easier to sleep at night. Um, although, again, things went really well when Sam Neuer was quarterback last year. Um, and especially in those first few games. You know, three games in, he, he he had stats that would rival just about any other quarterback out there. You know, week one... He went out, went 20-31, 257 yards and a touchdown, ran for 64 yards and another touchdown. Remember, college quarterback rushing numbers include sacks. So technically, he was 13 of 64. That's 4.9 yards per uh, carry. But there was at least one sack in there. That means he actually ran for like 70 yards, not 64. So I always like tack on a few more for quarterbacks if they're actually running the ball. Um Week two, though, 15 of 24, 255, two touchdowns and a pick. Ran in two more touchdowns, 36 yards against Stanford. You win by three, kind of held on late. Same thing as UCLA. And then third game of the year, not quite the same volume, but you're playing San Diego State, 17 of 29, 138 yards, threw for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown, threw a pick two. You know, there was a lot to like about how Sam Neuer played. Again, not the most accurate passer, not the best, Best reading defenses, you know, it seems like sometimes he, he might not see a linebacker here or there, that sort of thing, which can be very, very frustrating. And that is why Sam Neuer, despite being a second-team All-Pac-12 quarterback, has doesn't have this job locked up, you know? Um, and the 8-for-23, two picks in, in the bowl game, that doesn't help his case either. Um, and so with Sam Neuer, you have something that, you're comfortable with maybe even you're happy with in the back of your head you're thinking what what is actually going to happen this season with Sam at quarterback you know it, it it isn't necessarily a sure thing Brendan Lewis absolutely not a sure thing JT Shroud not a sure thing either but plays in a little bit different way gives you some options um, more I think he would look good in a pro style offense what Tennessee did was fairly uh, similar to a pro style offense the buffs have some options and, and options are always good and I think that out of those three they're going to get at least one good option and you know what there's a real chance that they get multiple um I think that's it I think that's it for quarterbacks. Um, because we spent so much time on quarterbacks, it's probably time to take a quick break. And we'll make this as fast as I possibly can, which, if I'm being totally honest, might not be all that fast. Um, first of all, if you're not a DMVR member, we uh, would really like it if you joined us. Um, so many things that you can get, uh, including, like, if you just sign up for an annual membership you already immediately start getting free things given to you. You get a free shirt. Um, you get um, a free CBD holistic stick, a recover holistic stick from Holistic Wellness. Um, it's uh, it, it's like basically 10 milligrams of CBD. You just like stir it around in your drink. Uh, and the CBD is you know, scientifically made to make you recover from workouts or whatever you've put your body through. Um, and it's gotten great reviews. 
Um, again, it's super easy. There's a whole bunch of different ones you can get, like the sleep, stress, beauty, digestion. Um, but the recovery one is the one that you get for free with your DMVR membership. It'll just get sent straight to your door. Super easy, super convenient. And if you wanted to buy your own, you could go to holisticwellness.com, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K, um, and use the code DMVR30 for 30% off. So there you go. But again, you get, uh, with your membership, free shirt, free holistic stick, um, and you get a bunch of things like a, a normal size beer. If you buy it, you actually get a massive beer. You get in on our Discord, which is where we hang out and talk about all that kind of stuff. Um, weekly deals from DMVR Locker. A uh, whole bunch of cool stuff. So we really hope you check that out because uh, we really appreciate it if you do. I also want to remind you guys about Breckenridge Brewery and specifically their seltzers. Uh, the Good Company seltzers that Breckenridge Brewery just dropped are incredible. Um, the, the peach is real good. The honeydew. Um, there, there's a bunch of awesome flavors. And you can get it in an awesome variety pack, 15 cans like Jokic. Um, so, yeah, check, check those out. They're honestly really good. Uh, obviously, the beer is really good, too. Uh, I have almost exclusively been drinking the Strawberry Sky in terms of beer. Like, I don't even know what the last beer I drank that wasn't Strawberry Sky was. It's been a few weeks. Um, point is, really good beers, really good seltzers, and they make it really convenient to pick out whatever you want to try. Um, you can check out all of their products on their website, obviously, but you can also use the beer locator on their website, which will, you know, you'll, you like click a button and say like, here's what I'm looking for, um, like Strawberry Sky. And then you put in your zip code and it'll show you all of the nearest places you can go buy that. And it works with all their products. It's a really cool feature. And I personally use it a lot because I almost exclusively drink Breckenridge beers. And then um, I really like the Strawberry Sky. Um, so yeah, check that out as well. And finally, I want to say a couple quick words about Gabby Insurance. Gabby Insurance is a really cool tool uh, that almost anybody can use to save money. The way it works is this. So they ask you for a whole bunch of details about you. You know, how old are you? Uh, what's your name? Where do you live? And then you put in your insurance policy either for your car or for your home or I guess for both. And then what Gabby does is goes to 40 different insurance providers, including a bunch of big names like Allstate, Travelers, um, Nationwide, and they get quotes. And so then they say, well, here's your insurance plan and we will give you the exact same insurance. Like it'll be the exact same insurance that you already have. But because of all this competition we've created for your business, here's your best offer. Here's the price that you can get it at. Um, it really is a cool tool. A lot of these things oftentimes are trying to like change your insurance to something else. And so they'll say like, we can save you all this money by giving you shitty insurance. Well, that's not what's happening here. Again, exact same insurance. It's, uh, it on average saves people over $900. It really is definitely worth checking out. And to me, the best part is that, um, when you give them your information, it is not going anywhere. They're not going to sell it. You're not going to get blown up with insurance calls after checking Gabby out. Again, that to me is the best part because um, I I hate that. Um, you can uh, you can check it out by going to gabby.com slash DNVR. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash DNVR. It's free to check, no obligation. Uh, it's super easy and convenient. And definitely remember to put that slash DNVR so that we know, so that they know that we sent you. All right into a position that is not quarterback what's uh see I, I always hate doing things in order of like what i think is most interesting because then by the end of the podcast all that you have left is uh this reminds me of something there was this girl who i went like on a few dates with who told her stories in order of most interesting detail to least interesting detail and so everything's like totally out of order and it just gets awful because they're all so long. And so you get through like the first part where it's like this crazy thing happened. You're like, oh, wow, no way. And then it, it keeps going for like 10 minutes. But you're just like oh, by the end, it's like, oh, yeah. And there was a there was a dog outside and somebody was walking it. And he he saw and he, he gave me this look like and it's like, oh, my God. 
that was a little bit of a tangent there, but it reminded me of why we are not going to do our podcast in that order, which means we don't get to talk about the running backs yet. You know where we should jump in? This is actually a pretty interesting position, in my opinion. The tight ends. Uh, obviously, it all starts with Brady Russell. And I there are, people have some opinions about Brady Russell. And honestly, I think that personally, I'm kind of like a Brady Russell truther. Everybody kind of wants to put him in a box. I am a firm believer that Brady Russell can be the best tight end in the Pac-12 because he's already like halfway there. Anything in the ground game, he is your guy. You can put him at tight end. You can put him at fullback. You can put him at H-back. You can put him wherever you want. Ask him to block whoever you want. He's going to get that job done. That is who he is, and that is the basis of what he is as a football player. He is somebody who can go out there and be mean. Very nice guy, but on the football field, very mean guy. And that's what you want from a tight end in the running game. And because he provides that, and because Colorado has Jarek Broussard at running back, somebody who you want to get the ball to, Brady Russell is going to be very, very valuable to Colorado even if he isn't all that much of a receiver. My thing is that I think he's going to be a really good receiver. We talked about this a lot last offseason, all of my beliefs about Brady Russell, but we can kind of jump back in because it has been so long uh, since then. My thing is that Brady just has a really good feel for football and a good feel for space too. So for example, you know, quarterbacks rolling out on a bootleg, he's looking for Brendan Rice downfield. He's peeking at Levante Chenault on the other side of the field. Um, He, for some reason, isn't giving it to Dimitri Stanley. And so you're like, oh, well, where's he going to go with the ball? Brady Russell's going to find a little pocket of space underneath. You get him the ball, he's going to do what he can with it. Is he the most explosive player after the catch? No, but he's a good physical runner. He's going to punish guys when they try to tackle him. And for a tight end, especially a college tight end, I don't know how much more you can actually ask of him, at least in terms of like as a runner after the catch. Um, The other thing though, is that I think that he can get a lot better downfield. And that was something that I was kind of pounding the table on last summer. And before Brady got hurt last season, he played one full game And he did exactly what I said. And I can't remember the exact stat, but I want to say like there were like 10 total catches by tight ends in like the season or two before. What I can tell you for sure is that Brady Russell's first game last season was the best game from a Colorado tight end in at least five years. And I want to say it was more like eight. It was like 2012, like Nick Casa, um, I want to say. That's what we saw from Brady Russell in our brief glimpse. Five catches, including one nice one down the sideline, 77 yards, and a touchdown. I think that Brady Russell can... I I think that he took a big step last offseason, and we didn't really get to see it, and I think he's capable of another step on top of that this offseason. He was like 50-50 to go in the bowl game, and so I assume that he was like fully cleared at least within a month after the bowl game, which means he's gotten another two months of work in before spring camp. And and that's if like, I feel like a month after your 50 50 is as long as it could possibly take for you to get back. Um, so yeah, be, because of just the, the small amount that we've seen from Brady in the last, like honestly, like 18 months now, 15 months now, there's room for uh, some serious growth from him, and and I am really excited to see what he does next season. Um, beyond him, though, I actually, I th- I do think that Matt Lynch is back. I'm not totally sure um, because the roster, the 2021 roster, spring roster, doesn't look like it's totally up to date yet um but i do think he's back and he he was a good steadying hand i I think that that's the same thing he's going to be this year doesn't provide all that much as a receiver but can kind of get the job done as a blocker and and provide a, a little bit underneath as a second tight end you're happy with that the good news for colorado 
is that I think there's a lot to like. Um, Luke Stillwell is back. Uh, I believe he was dealing with injuries last year. Matt Passarello uh, was dealing with injuries last year, I believe. He was a freshman, but I think he had injuries too. And then Jared Poplowski uh, missed all season with the torn ACL. Um, so, out of Stillwell, Poplowski, Passarello, uh, Passarello, I think, is the correct pronunciation. Pronunciation. Wow. Um, and then Caleb Foria. I expect one of those three to be able to provide something this year, especially as a receiving threat. And and that's where I really like this, is you have Matt Lynch there. You also have CJ Schmansky and Nico Magri, who both got to play a little bit last year. You can be excited about them too, for sure, especially as blockers. And so you kind of have Brady Russell, your do-it-all chess piece. I mean, you could throw him at fullback if you want. And you know what? If if a couple of these tight ends pop and you can put, you know, Jared Poplowski out there, you can put uh, Caleb Foria out there, and then you have Jarek Broussard and, uh, uh, sorry, Brady Russell in the backfield, and then you throw a receiver out there, like, uh, say, Brendan Rice is outside while you're doing all this other stuff. That's actually a very versatile formation, especially because Jarek provides so much speed. So, you know, if you send Jarek to the flat on one side, that might just be there. You might be able to turn, hit him with that, and let him t- run upfield. On top of that, if you have a couple of these young guys step up and you can get them into routes that you like, you get Brady Russell doing the same thing out of the backfield, again, you can start to see how this offense could be a lot more diverse than it's been in the past just because of the weakness that they've had with that tight end position. Um, Another group that you can be excited about, and again, assuming health for Brady Russell, I think that there's a fairly high floor. Again, you without Brady Russell, that is not true. But, again, knock on wood, if Brady Russell is back and he plays every game and he's himself, you have a high floor. You have a good tight end, and you may have some more options behind him. This is one of the groups that I think could be big for this team, especially, again, just because of the play style. You have Jarek Broussard. You want to feed Jarek Broussard. You get four out of five offensive linemen back. You had potentially the best offensive line in the Pac-12 last year. You want to run the ball. And if you can run the ball with tight ends on the field and those tight ends can provide a receiving threat, well, then all of a sudden you're you're running the ball, you're working the bootleg, which keeps people away from the line of scrimmage. The offense could be very healthy um, if that's the case, although there are other paths to success as well. Um, those paths include the receivers. Let's jump in with them next. Um, again, a lot to like. You only have one departure. That's Katie Nixon, who is now with USC. That's going to be a really fun game. Uh, I don't remember when exactly it is in the season, but Katie Nixon playing the Buffs. If there's one person who could get up for a revenge game, and, and it's not revenge in that the Buffs did him wrong or KD did the Buffs wrong. You know, it, it is always kind of like a weird thing to transfer to a, a rival. But outside of that, it seems like everything was good terms. However, you are playing your former team. That's the kind of thing that Katie Nixon is going to be very into, I'm sure. That's not the point, though. The point, though, is that he's not on this team anymore. Um, that opens that opens some snaps in this offense. We saw a little bit of what it would look like when Katie missed time last year. A lot can change with this group this season, um, especially because it is such a young group. You know, when you look through... And we'll just read off all these names to start. This is everybody who was listed on last year's roster. No real transfers. Um, the freshmen, I don't expect to really get much run. So this should be about the group you're rolling with. You've got Brendan Rice, Levante Chenault, Daniel Arias, um, Jalen Jackson, Maurice Bell, Dimitri Stanley, Montana Lamonius Craig, Michael Bird Jr., Chris Carpenter, Jake Groth, Michael Harrison, Alex Smith, and Keith Miller III. Out of that group, you know, there's some guys we've seen some of. There are other guys who we haven't seen all that much of. When you look at the very top of the group, the guys you expect to be, you know, on the field just about every play, I think you'll still see the rotation. It'll still probably go six or seven deep. Um, But the top to me, you know Dimitri Stanley is going to be out there. Um, He's going to be back for another true sophomore season. In his first two seasons, he he did look really good, especially when you consider his age. You know, when you consider that he's been an underclassman. Um, 
for most of the season, he was leading the Pac-12 in yards per route run out of the slot. I think somebody like edged him out late. Um, but in terms of slot receivers, there aren't many you'd rather have than Dimitri Stanley. You know, you look around it. I guess even Amonra St. Brown is gone from USC. They won't put Drake London there. They might put KD there, honestly. We'll see. Um, they'll have some options. But whoever USC decides to put in that role, and they've just been like rotating through there. Whoever it is, though, the, the point, they'll be, they'll be in this conversation. Um, you look at Britton Covey from Utah in the conversation for sure. Um, honestly, off the top of my head, those are the only two... The jump to mind. So yeah, the point is Dimitri Stanley, one of the very best slot receivers in the Pac-12. Again, you expect him to get better into in year three as well. Um, beyond him, though, you know, the Daniel Arias experiment is this the season where he breaks through? I think that at this point, it, it, you have to be hesitant to to put too much faith in him. Um, I, I think that. Last year, it made a whole lot of sense for him to to be, I mean, maybe the number one receiver, and at the very least, somebody who's out there in your three receiver sets. This year, after he did kind of disappoint again last season, you know, there's questions. To me, it it, kind of feels like a lottery ticket at this point because he's 6'4", 205 pounds, as good of an athlete he is, such a good athlete that KD once called him DK Metcalf Jr., you know, the upside will always be there. We've seen the floor, though. And if he's playing at that floor level again, I don't think we're going to see all that much of him this season. However, the upside is obvious. As Buffs fans are obviously hoping for the best. Um, more likely, though, to, to, to get one of those starting spots, I, I look at Brendan Rice. He is just so explosive. With the size that he has, the speed that he has... Those two traits just cover up a lot of weaknesses. He's one of the rare, rare college football players who comes into the Power Five and kind of just has a body that's ready to go. And it's the same thing that happened to him. Like we've talked about his freshman tape, his freshman high school tape, plenty of times before on this podcast. He he was bigger than all the varsity guys at the time. You know, this is just kind of who he is. Um, because of the success that he had last year, the explosiveness he's shown, it's just time. And that's crazy to say, considering he's only been on campus one year. He's going to be a true freshman again. I, I think that he's ready to be a starter, and I think that Levante Chenault is ready to start again, uh, opposite him. Um, Levante is just so long, you know, not quite as big as Brendan. Brendan's somebody who, you know, he's not Visca, but he'll break some tackles for you. Levante... Like he can break some tackles too, but he's more of a go up and get that ball type of guy. He's gonna run fast. He's he's not he's not like the Mack truck build like those guys kind of are. Now, the big thing with Vonte is the legal trouble. Um, you know, he had the DUI case. Uh, he I've got his license. I'm not sure if it's like revoked, but he was definitely not supposed to be driving when he wound up getting a ticket for um, going, what was it? Oh, there it is. 93 and a 65. So that kind of stacks on top of him. There was another traffic case. So just because those things are piling up and because one of them is a DUI um, and I mean, driving without a license, that's not, that's not great either. Carl Durrell is going to keep him off the field for some period of time. And to be honest, I haven't spent enough time covering college football, covering this sort of thing to know exactly how long that suspension will be. It seems like in Montana, the, the typical, like you punched the guy in the face at a bar suspension is one or two games. DUI, you'd expect a little bit more because of the multiple, you know, anything is on the table. Um, we'll see what exactly the number is um but you know when he does make it back it will be big and who knows maybe he's suspended a half maybe he's suspended a few games just so hard to predict that sort of thing you kind of just have to wait and see what happens now the real kicker is if he gets in trouble again because obviously like 
he hasn't been on campus all that long. And like I said, I th that's three cases, I think, off the top of my head. Um, well, he needs to stay out of trouble going forward. And, and I think that that's just kind of blatantly obvious. And I shouldn't have to say it, but because the things have kind of piled up over the course of the year he's been on campus, I think I think it's just reasonable to, to wonder if there's more on the way. You know, when you, you hope for the kid that he's pulled himself together, you know, he has a lot going for him. And I don't really like talking about this kind of stuff. Um, but that is kind of the elephant in the room with Levante is how much are the buffs going to have him this season? And are things going to flare up again during the season? Um, however, if he's on the field, no denying the talent. Um, and he's, he's a year older than Brendan. Oh, I say he's been on, on, on campus for a year. It's two years. Sorry about that. He's, he, he was a red shirt freshman cause he was on the team with Visca. Um, and he'll be a red shirt freshman again this year. You know, that's a really young group, though. If you have Dimitri come back as a sophomore again, Brendan is a true freshman again, Vontae is a redshirt freshman again. It's exciting for sure. Uh, I think that you look at some of those guys and say, you know, Brendan, do, do you, are you going to have the opportunity to leave after three years? It's on the table. And honestly, the same is true of Levante. You know, I think uh, it's so tough because he's gone through two he put up some decent numbers when he did play. I don't, just because the odds are what they are, he's going to have a suspension. He just need to have a crazy season to, to be ready to go next year. That's not something that you expect from him by any means. Um, so there's that. And then you have some of the other guys, you know, Maurice Bell. When he got on the field last year, I was impressed. Uh, I think that, he's he's just like a good receiver you know not not the biggest guy not the fastest guy not like the the sharpest route runner but he just goes and gets the job done he'll get himself open he'll make a good play on the ball and I guess that's kind of what it is about him you look at guys like Brennan you're like okay you're just gonna run away from him you can jump over him things will work out you know Levante has a whole bunch of tools too Maurice Bell, not so toolsy, but you've seen guys like that even thrive at the next level as well. If you can separate enough and you're such a good receiver that you can catch the ball with a little bit less separation than some other guys, you're going to be just fine. And Maurice Bell will be a part of this rotation. I'm confident in that. Um, and uh, I want to say the same about Jalen Jackson. And I feel like I, I almost can. With Katie Nixon now not on the roster somebody who I think fits best in the slot. You know, you already have Dimitri Stanley in the slot, but Jalen Jackson is the next up on that list. And because of that, you know, when you go four wide, two-by-two two formation, you put um, Dimitri in the slot on one side, I think you put Jalen Jackson in the slot on the other, especially because of the way they complement each other. Um, both of them very good at stretching the seam from the slot because they're so fast. Um, Dimitri Stanley... Uh, not a 10 out of 10 route runner, but I think that based on what he's shown so far, he's he, there's a good chance he gets to that point. Maybe not quite to that level for Jalen Jackson. He is more of a speed threat than he is a, a, a get open underneath guy. Um, but, I mean, that's that's probably the reason why he's uh, number two behind Dimitri Stanley. Um I think that he is going to factor in somehow this season um, more than just as a special teamer, which he that was a role he filled very, very well last year. Um, I think they get him in the offense just because he is so fast. With Cherik out there, with Dimitri out there, I think I, I think there's a way to weaponize Jalen Jackson. Um, from there, you go to, you know, I, I think Keith Miller is a guy who you could look at as saying, you know, if Daniel Arias, for example, isn't himself, and uh, Levante misses a couple games, Keith Miller is one of the first names that comes to mind as your other outside receiver, um, 6'5", 210. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with him. Um, he could be ready to get out there. Uh, who have we not touched on? I feel like that's most of it. Um, we can fly through a couple. Montana Lamonius Craig, another guy. Uh, he was a freshman last year, talented. Um, he fits well on the outside. He 
it, it'd be tough to see him surpass uh, a Brendan Rice, um, uh, Levante Chenault, even a Maurice Bell, honestly. Um, and that's why, you know, I think he does belong lower on this list. Um, Chris Carpenter, a slot guy, who knows? He could he could pass up um, Jalen Jackson in theory and take that other slot spot. I'm not going to say he can't, but he was a true freshman last year. It would require some growth. Um, Michael Bird Jr., yeah, he could factor in another slot guy probably. Maybe that's where that competition is. I think that that is where the biggest – I don't know. There's competition outside too. I don't know. Um Real quick, what is going to be decided in spring camp? Well, honestly, nothing. It's just the beginning of the competition. Fall is when you're really going to uh, figure out who fits where in the rotation. But the spring decides who gets the most reps in the fall. That's for sure. Um, and when you look at it, let's just let's just stay in the slot, finish this up real quick. I think Dimitri Stanley's job, you know, it's not safe. It's just really hard to see anybody surpass him. Um if Jalen Jackson did turn into like an exceptional route runner and somebody who you trust to catch the ball when it gets to him with the speed that he has, he, I mean, he has the tools to surpass just about anybody. He hasn't done it though. And I, I think that he fits in right behind Dimitri Stanley from there though. Chris Carpenter, it's going to click for these guys. Eventually. Is it in their second season in their third? It would make more sense because there are fewer guys in front of them. Um, you know, that, that I think is a competition specifically for that number two job, more likely though, with Jalen Jackson, with Chris Carpenter, um, with Michael Bird. We'll see how it shakes out. Um, outside, I think that Brendan Rice is just ready to be one of the starters. The more I think about it, the more I think that he's got one of those jobs. And I think Levante Chenault's legal stuff has certainly helped Brendan in that regard. Um, Obviously, it's not locked up because he wasn't a starter last year, uh, but we'll see how it goes. Um, if we There will be two outside spots in this offense. My bet is that Brendan gets one of them um, and likely that Levante gets the other. I think, you know, Daniel Arias is competing. Maurice Bell is competing. Um, Montana Lamonius Craig is competing. Keith Miller is absolutely competing, and he's kind of the dark horse here who I would consider, you know, if, if DraftKings had odds on this, I'm, I might put some money on Keith Miller to make some noise this season. Um, so there you go. That's the receivers. I just clicked back over to Audition and saw how long this podcast has been. Luckily, we don't have all that much left to talk about. Um, Let's... Uh, Let's cover the offensive line, take a last quick break, and then we'll get into the running backs. That's a good plan. Um, offensive line. Like I said, you only lose Will Sherman up front. The other four pieces stay. That is very exciting. I think that keeping an offensive line together is maybe, I mean, I guess keeping a quarterback is what's most important. If you have an experienced quarterback, that's the biggest thing in football. An experienced offensive line can go such a long way, though. Um Frank Phillip, right tackle probably. Casey Roddick at right guard. Colby Purcell at center. Kari Cooch at left guard. Left tackle? That's the question. Um, now, there is a real chance, I think, that Frank Phillip just goes to the left side because he has some experience because well, I guess he's not going to be a senior this year because, you know, he, he wasn't last year. Um, but I do think that... That might even be the most likely. From there, I think Kanan Ray is somebody you look at as a potential tackle candidate. Um, you look at Valentin Sen as a guy who's gotten a lot of hype from the coaching staff. I think he's definitely a candidate to get the other tackle spot. Um, you know, this is where losing Jake Ray, um, who was, I want to say, a four-star recruit, if not one of the very best of the three stars um, that came in last year as true freshman. Um, he was out of Marietta, Georgia, big left tackle prospect, somebody who was really easy to get excited about, um, but his body wasn't holding up. And he announced on Twitter, I think last week that uh, his football career was done. Do you hate to see it? Of course. And you feel terrible for that, for Jake. I don't think I ever had a chance to meet him. Um, 
But that does leave a hole. That definitely leaves a big hole um, at left tackle. Uh, Jake Wiley, I think he could absolutely get the job too. Not somebody we've seen a lot of or even heard a lot about of. He'll be a redshirt freshman again. Um, You know, the tough part about what's going on in the offensive line is that, oh, Chance Lytle's another one too. I guess it depends on how his leg has recovered, but he was playing really well when he got out there. Was he playing mostly guard though? I want to say he was playing mostly guard. That was a long time ago. Um, But yeah, he does have like the size. Again, I don't know what recovery from a broken leg is. I want to say that it really isn't as bad as you would think just if it's like a a pretty clean break um but if he's healthy he'll factor in the conversation too point though you do kind of wish there was an interior job that was opening up you know austin johnson people have said good things about him um i think we're all excited to see carson lee finally get a chance to play but you know he's a he's a center and, and you don't mind playing him at guard probably but getting him to tackle He's 6'3", 320. You know, that's just not his game. And even though I think that he's in that conversation for next guy to get one of these starting jobs, he just doesn't fit where the opening is. And when you look at, you know, the the interior of Colby Purcell, Casey Roddick, and uh, Kari Cooch, uh, it's just really tough. You know, Casey Roddick, 6'4", 335. It's not a guy you want to put on the edge. Um uh, you got uh, Colby Purcell, 6'4", 305, exact same thing. Um, and then Kari Cooch, where is he on here? There he is, 6'5", 310. Uh, you know, maybe you could consider it, but I don't think that you're moving Cooch out to tackle unless you don't have another tackle who performs well during camp. Um, and, you know, I... I I think, like I said, you know, a Carson Lee and Austin Johnson, they might be as deserving as, you know, a, a Valentin Sen, a uh, Kanan Ray uh, to get one of those jobs. Even Kanan, it might be a bit of a stretch game to tackle, but I think he's been playing there. Um, and so you believe it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's uh, those are my thoughts on the offensive line. Um, maybe not as much versatility as you would like, but if, if you had Jake Ray, maybe you aren't so upset about it. Um, overall though, you have four or five restarters or five starters returning, um, from what may have been the best offensive line in the PAC 12 last year. You're, you're not upset about that. It's going to be a good group. Um, but, you know, it is a question. Likely who's going to go to right tackle. I do think the more I think about it, it's probably Frank Phillip going to left tackle. Unless somebody took a big step, which is always possible. Especially when you have a strength coach who has the reputation uh, that Shannon Turley has. Um, Quick break. Probably time for a quick break. Um, After that, though, time to talk about the running backs. Which, you know, number one. I almost said it's open and shut. I'm not so sure it is open and shut. It's it's probably open and shut. Um, but from two on, there's a big conversation. And the truth is, Colorado just has too many running backs. Um, real quick, though, want to tell you guys about Manscaped. Men, did you know that one man every hour, every day, is diagnosed with testicular cancer? I said that word terribly. Um, at Manscaped, They save balls. This means not only designing the right tools for the job, but raising awareness for the ball-busting disease, which is the most common form of cancer among men ages 15 to 35. Yes, you heard that correctly. 15 to 35, the most common disease for men, testicular cancer. As part of Manscaped's brand mission, their partnership with the Testicular Cancer Society aims to educate and entertain while spreading a very important message about early detection and self-screening to protect yourself against men's health issues and cancer risk. First and foremost, foremost, get your balls checked. Next, grab a lawnmower 3.0 using code DMVR to save 20% plus getting you free shipping and help the proceeds. Oh, wow. The proceeds go to an amazing cause, um, which is going to, uh, where is that? Oh, the Testicular Cancer Society. Wow. There you go. 
So not only are you getting the Manscaped or the Lawnmower 3.0, um, you also, all the money is going to the Testicular Cancer Society. That feels pretty good. Again, you can save 20% with the code DMVR and you'll get free shipping from manscaped.com. All right, the running backs. So obviously you have Jarek Broussard and maybe there's a conversation. Is it, to me, it isn't a conversation like who's your starter. The conversation is, is Jarek Broussard your starter or is he 1A and Alex Fontenot is 1B? You know, I, I don't think that there's a world where Alex Fontenot is the starter, even though he was the starter before he missed last season with the torn ACL. Jarek Broussard just looked so good that I think that he, you know, if you ask Carl Durrell, no job is safe. If there's one job that's safe, I think it's Jarek's. Um, Alex, though, is going to put up a, a great fight in camp, I'm sure. I think there's going to be plenty of room for him in this offense. Um, when you look at last year's rushing stats, Colorado's running backs carried the ball 222 times over the course of the season. 156 of those were Jarek. That's about 70%. The other 30% split among the other running backs. Um, real quick, it was 23 for Jaron Mangum. It was 18 for Joe Davis, 7 for Ashad Clayton. When you look at the receiving game, Jarek caught 9 passes, and Joe Davis and uh, Jaron Mangum each caught 1. Um, so let's just say overall, about 70% of the snaps went to Jarek Broussard. I think that number goes down a little bit this year. I think that last year, Jarek was running the ball about as much as he possibly could. Um, you know, he, let's see, here's, here's these game logs. Let's just run through 31 carries in the first game, 27 in the second, then 32, 25, only 14 against Utah because they got down and had to throw then 27 against Texas. When you are giving somebody, let's call it high twenties carries per game, which is maybe a little bit closer to 30. If you take out that 14, um, you, there's just no room for more. He can't do more than that. And on top of that, this year you're going to have a real season. This is 12 games before the postseason instead of six games before the, no, five games, sorry, before the postseason. Because of that, the wear and tear from week to week builds up more. And I think that you see Jarek's carries drop down even just a little bit more. I think that he, instead of getting about 70% of the touches this season for running backs, I think you expect him to get about 60%. Those other 40% are what, in my opinion, are going to be up for grabs. Jaron Mangum transferred out. Um, that means you're left with Ashad Clayton, Alex Fontenot, and Jay Lee Stacks maybe could carve out a role this season as just like a, a, a short yardage back. Um, you have Deion Smith, who missed last year with the ACL injury. Um, he is not the same man that you guys remember. Um, it's been a couple of years, obviously, since he's been on the field. He's put on some muscle. And at six feet tall, I, I believe, maybe even just a little bit bigger, I think he, he might be ready to provide something. I've been saying for a couple of years now, I really like the idea of him being the receiving back. The fact that there were only 11 total catches by Buffs running backs last year to me, I, I think is disappointing. I think you need more than that. And I think that Deion Smith is somebody who you could look at who just has the correct build to play that role well. Um, you also look at, I mean, Joe Davis, obviously, he could be ready um, to, to have a big breakout. It's going to be tough, you know, and... Knock on wood, of course, but odds are Jarek's going to miss a game at some point, and that'll open up some touches, and he'll be banged up in another, and that'll open up some touches. Again, this is really congested, though, and I think that there's a real chance the coaching staff gets through fall camp and just says, you know what? We got we to gotta cut this down to two. And late in games, you can mess around a little bit and give some guys some touches, but it's just hard to see them when you have the, the top-end talent that they have at running back to go to your third back, your fourth back, your fifth back, even though I think that those are really talented runners too, who do deserve reps. 
it's just so hard to see it. Um, I wonder what's going to happen. You know, I do think that Alex Fontenot is the second best running back on this team. Ashad Clayton has a bunch of tools that you really like. And if he had a good offseason, he absolutely could be the second best back. You know what? If he had a great offseason, he could be up there with Jarek. As crazy as that sounds, you know, that that is the reputation that Ashad Clayton brings with him. You know, that's the what he was supposed to provide, the college that he goes to. And I don't think it's crazy to say that he could be a Jarek Broussard. You got to see it, though. And I, I think that this is... This is going to be kind of a brutal competition. Um, you have Alex Fontenot, who's a thousand-yard rusher, um, a, a starter in a Power Five conference. Can you really see him not getting touches because of Shad Clayton is? Honestly, the answer is yes, because of Shad Clayton is that type of prospect, and that's before you get to Joe Davis and Deion Smith. You know, I don't know what's going to happen here, um, outside of Jarek getting the ball a lot. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but this is, in my opinion, the deepest group on the team. And I think that with the offensive line that you have, you expect really big things from this group. And honestly, you know, it's it's really hard to keep three backs happy. But you look at what Oregon does, and they're able to do it. They've been running out there with, like, uh, Travis Dye, CJ Verdell, and Cyrus Habibi Lukio for what feels like forever, but it's probably just been like the last two seasons. The reason that works is because that's an offense that puts up 40 points per game. 50, not 50 points per game, but, but in those big numbers, they're scoring in the 40s. Colorado did the same thing last year. You know, they put up 48 week one, then 35, 20, 24, 21, 23 to close it. Eh, maybe not quite so inspiring, but... If you have the type of offense that's scoring in the 30s and 40s, you're not going to have trouble getting enough, being able to feed all the mouths. If the offense doesn't click and you're not on the field as much as you'd like to be, that's where things can kind of get ugly in terms of off the field. Um, you know, all good people. You hope you don't see it, but we'll see. We'll see. That competition is going to be brutal. Um just double checking. We did quarterbacks. We did running backs. We did receivers. We did offensive line. We did tight ends. That is all the offensive positions. And I think that means we're done. Um, I'll be back tomorrow after I hear from all those people I listed off earlier. Uh, Shannon Turley, Brett Maxey, Chris Wilson, Mark Smith, Brian Cook. Uh, they'll have some insights into all of this. I'll be sharing all those with you tomorrow. And then on Friday is when we're going to do what we did today, except with the defense. And I'm really excited about that. Um, yup, that's it. I'll see you guys tomorrow. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway, my Colorado sway.
feeling tribal Big 12, here we come, we ain't worried about arrival If you want it, come and get it, we'll wait for your arrival When you hit this frozen field, man, it's all about survival Why you make it, why you make it, yeah, you better bring your Bible Crack back, blind side, flat line, no revival Get them thugs, get them bugs, mess them up, we say we got them If we don't, then we'll get them when we see them, then we had them like my Colorado sway, cause when I'm in it play Colorado swag, man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag.